podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. It's our latest brew of the blue here on the Blue Room. Hope everyone's had a good week. And I'm enjoying Good Friday. Yeah, it doesn't feel like Good Friday. Uh, Mark Moose is joining me now uh, in work later as well, Mark. That's a measure of how unorthodox a Good Friday it is, I suppose. As, as you say, it doesn't... Uh, the whole measure of a bank holiday and those days of freedom is kind of out the window at the moment, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, in work later, brewing for a few hours. But it's nice to... Uh, nice to off in the morning to have the opportunity to actually have a brew, first of all. <laughs> do it with suppose- you. Makes it even more sweet, mate. I suppose you. I suppose you're you're up at pretty much early every day, aren't you? Still, you know, I've, I've yeah. been trying to get up early, you know, because you know my work and I've been, you know, down a bit because of sport. I'm now trying to keep it keep a bit of a routine, but but you're you're still in. Um, I think everyone who knows this, who listens to us regularly, will know that you're a pharmacist. Um, but what's it been like? Um, I mean, first of all, I demand that level of structure. I mean, even when I try and wake up, you know, a little bit later now or have a lie-in, just absolutely not. I, I get the, the disapproving glances from my wife this morning at half past six in the morning when I'm rattling around reading my phone because it, I just can't really ever sleep past seven o'clock in the morning. But um, yeah, I mean, to be quite honest, it's just been like normal life. Uh, I, I know that um so much has changed for so many people in in sort of so many aspects of their life but um the the main facets of your life which is probably work for most people uh, and what you do with your free time i suppose the latter is the only thing that's really been affected for me um you go to work in exactly the same way you do roughly the same hours but the only difference being that you drink slightly more alcohol just <laughs> everyone else around you is so you feel a little bit left out if you don't have midweek drinks but they get to kind of sleep them off until 10 a.m like yourself whereas i have to <laughs> wonder why that ever happened on the way to work it was funny that you were talking about uh, having drinks in, in midweek and you sort of look to your right hand side and down as if you're going to pick one up and show it to the camera i was like it's, it's 11 o'clock so it's a bit early for that yeah especially when you're going into the pharmacy yeah <laughs> yeah but it's i think um you know, one of the before we go talk about fuzzy and that sort of stuff. One of the things I wanted to ask you is that do you sort of get the sense from people coming into your shop and the, what they say to you and what they ask you that people know what they're supposed to be doing and what you know what's supposed to be going on at this point, or do you get the sense that it's still a little bit muddled in everyone's mind? Because I suppose while we're not in full lockdown, while there's still some sort of maybe ambiguity is not the, not, not the right word, but there, there is a bit of it in regards to how much you can go out, what you can go to the shops for, what you can do outside your homes. Do you still feel as though people haven't quite got that yet? But maybe up until we go full lockdown, that it won't be completely clear. It, it's hard to tell with those people. I mean, you only have to turn the news on to to see the people who, who for one reason or another, don't follow some form of government guidance. But it, it becomes hard to tell when naivety borders into just plain disregard. Um, and, I mean, in every sense of society at the moment you will get people who are um for one reason or another following the rules either they they're aware of the the sort of responsibility that everyone has or just out of plain fear 
Um, that that's the main thing that that certainly we've seen in work is that you that there's a there's a tangible sense of anxiety between not only customers in work but staff, and I'm I'm sure that is the same in in every you know key working role, be it in in healthcare or be it in supermarkets or wherever it is. You, it's it's probably one of those times where I was chatting with this with with friends the other day about the role that the media has to play. Yeah, and it's probably as much as the sense of when you're watching it is is one that generates fear and and potentially that is intentional. Uh, it, it's probably the one time in life where that that media coverage and that sort of hyperbole about the situation is probably quite favourable. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we do need people to, for whatever reason it is, stay indoors. And if if we are kind of scaring people into that, as much as that is misleading people, it's potentially quite useful in this situation. So you you do you get a plethora of different attitudes. You, you will undoubtedly still get get patients or family members or whoever it may be who think that they are invincible. Yeah, um, and that that will happen in every walk of life. But but generally speaking. I think a lot of people have now at the end of what what has now been three weeks of of semi lockdown, should we say, mm. have kind of cottoned onto it. But um, it will be interesting to see the the attitudes of people if we were to sort of be be banished from the outdoors. Um, yeah. Just at the time of year, as a look outside, that the sun is out yeah. again. Um, I think the the level of angst in society that we see in in Italy, which which sounds like it's grown at the moment. Mm. I think we we dangerously follow suit over here. Do you um obviously there was a bit of a mad rush a few weeks ago in regards to people buying toilet roll and paracetamol and that sort of stuff. Uh, is is that all calmed down now? People still panic buying that sort of stuff. I mean, what 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 are you what's the item that you sort of you're looking at in the shop and go why is, why are people buying loads of this? Uh, still toilet roll. It yeah, a question, but um the, the things that we. We got a massive, massive influx of people wanting cowpol and paracetamol, and why people thought that their children would instantly fall desperately ill at this stage is is <laughs> it's ironic that it's probably the one area of the population which touch wood, uh, and thankfully so, has not really suffered too much. Mm. Um, hand sanitizer. If if I if I had a pound for every person who simply asked me for hand sanitizer, then. I'll be honest, I'll be doing this show from a very different mood. <laughs> um, they are the types of products. And as much as we, we spoke about media, I think, and and the, the positive role that that can play, I think you, you then branch into sort of big business marketing and how they how they will purposely push products out of fear to people. And I don't know who does marketing for Andrex or any other toilet roll company, but they have absolutely smashed it this year. Most of them need to do any, do they? Because it's just all, it's all to, like done by social media, isn't it? And the momentum that that sort of thing gathers. Like, yeah. even, even people who aren't, haven't got any intentions of panic buying will think, well, I need to buy something like that because everybody else is buying it and there might not be yeah. for any left of me when I do actually need it. Yeah, to the point where when I went into a supermarket to buy a simple four or six pack of, of toilet roll, you kind of hide it in your trolley under <laughs> things that people see as more sort of, you know, standoffish and, and quite relaxed. So you just put all your, all your beer and all your non-essential snacks over all of your essentials because you don't want people to possibly think that you're panicking for a second. Yeah, it's a strange one. Yeah, um, obviously this is Easter weekend as well. Um, you know, usually you know we'd have a big game. I think last year we played Man United on Easter weekend, didn't we? On the Sunday and won four 0 What a fantastic 
day that was and weekend that was. Uh, but more importantly, I wanted to ask you about Easter eggs. Do you still get Easter eggs? You know, as, as a 30, 31-year-old man? We, we got one from work, actually, the other day. That was our, um, our, our gift for coming in for, for four weeks of coronavirus pandemic was a nice <laughs> one Easter egg, which, which at the time went... It's only a little one pound one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll take it. I'll take any... any <laughs> um, but no, uh, it, it, it probably out at, at this age now, I would say we're out of the fact that parents are probably never going to do anything like that <laughs> for you. Um, I think me and, me and Harriet tend to buy each other something small, but... Um, I, I think that the main pull and the, the main attraction of the Easter weekend is just having that sort of sense of freedom and and the four days of just being able to switch your switch your brain off a little bit, isn't it? But as you say, it, what Easter usually typifies for most people, including myself, is that work is manic up until that weekend, and yeah. then you kind of relax and unwind. Um, and the, the whole calendar is irrelevant at the moment because I think most people at home have lost track of what day, date, month, possibly year that it is. Um, so it, it, it kind of fades into a little bit of irrelevance at the moment. Yeah, I think I'm definitely going to be getting an Easter egg. Maybe just to treat myself. We're doing, we're doing the big shop on Saturday. Obviously, we're in the NHS slot with Chelsea's badge, which is like gold dust at the moment, obviously. So I might get one. Nothing more satisfying than smashing the Easter egg. There's something different about the chocolate as well. Yeah, uh, I don't know I, quite what it is either. Yeah, even even bog standard makes like Cadbury's <laughs> and other other brands of Easter That's eggs. Like, room. Yeah, but it, it, there's there's some that whatever they're doing to those eggs, it, it's not in the bars, and and no one will ever be able to tell me otherwise. Well, there's the there's the, like there's the dairy milk one or the Cadbury's one, which is usually got like a little pattern of a chicken on it, hasn't it? Like dots in. And then the Nestle ones are like little panels, aren't they? Like it's like that looks like dinosaur scales or something. This is probably the time of year where people start talking about why don't cream egg do a massive Easter egg? That's yeah, we've had none of that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, th- that's the that's the mark of the crisis that society <laughs> we're not able to focus on the things that are so routinely important to us at this time of year. I thought didn't they actually do one of them last year? I'm sure that was. It's it's one of those tales of folklore. It, it's like Everton winning a trophy that you 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 kind of want it to happen and you're intrigued by everything that it would bring, but the the danger <laughs> with it and the the anarchy amongst society would probably make it not worth it. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Maybe just leave that one. Just just forget about it. Um, on to Everton then before we have a chance about your shirt. Um, are you missing it yet? I think I'm sort of getting to that point now. Like I said, I was speaking to Adam Jones yesterday, and you know we talked about this time of year and yeah. the club putting out all these on this day things. And it seems like the time of the year where we've had loads of good results and nice weather at Goodison Park, and it just makes you think, oh, you know, I wouldn't mind being back there now for a game like the United one last year where we were four 0 Yeah, I think recent seasons have kind of played towards that, haven't they? Whereby we have, regardless of what's gone before us up until the point of March or April managed to find some really good home form. It's stereotypically been against sort of some of the bigger sides. Um, so this time of year does, at least in relatively recent memory, resonate with with happy times. Um, the reality of this season, obviously we'll, we'll never know now, but you'd like to think that this was the point where it was just starting to get exciting for us. Um, and I think that the last time we've had that was probably under Roberto Martinez, where we thought something really positive could come from this. And as much as we we realistically probably didn't have our focus set on, on Champions League yeah. football, 
we were we were potentially being talked about as one of those teams who could really make their season worthwhile. Uh, and I think that's the the angst when you get to sort of April is that your season can can finish very differently, certainly from a mental point of view, regardless of depending very much so on what you've got left to play for. Mm. Um, personally, I I was chatting about this with with Rob and Kate on on the kick about this week, and I'm I'm not really missing it. Um, mm. and it's strange to say really that I'm not really missing Everton or football. I'm I'm from a wider context not really missing sports a great deal. Um, and, and that's not to say that as soon as it's not back on TV or <laughs> as soon as Everton aren't playing again and as soon as the first ball is kicked or the first goal is scored, then it will all very quickly click back into place. Um, we've spoken very much and we, we probably take for granted the, the match day experience that, that fans like me and yourself are able to have. Mm. When I spoke to someone like Rob, for example, about how... The, the nature of the match day and everything in the build-up and going for a couple of pints after or whatever it may be, they're the things that you miss a little bit more. Um, and the reason for that is because we've been going to Everton for, for so long. We're, we're fortunate in that we get to go, you know, 20 times a season. If, if yeah. Majestic cup runs of one or two home <laughs> Um, for for fans who don't get that sort of regularity of Goodison Park, it it probably feels a little bit different to them. Um, I think we we sit back and rely on the fact that as soon as this season starts again, within an hour we could be there, uh, and, yeah. and probably would because we we love that that self detrimental feeling. But yeah. it, it's a strange one to to not have. I think not having any sport to fall back on. I think usually. God forbid if there's an international break or there's some form of football break, we've always got something like American football, golf. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's something that you can fall back on. But at the moment, I don't know what it is that I'm I'm kind of just learning to to live without it to the point where I've now got Harriet saying, well, if you've survived two or three months without football, then you clearly don't need it in your life. <laughs> just hoping that she has to go and self-isolate somewhere else if she's going to come out with statements like that. Uh, she's not, she not holding a gun to your head, is she, in the background there? Or is your screen? <laughs> yeah, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was just looking to my left a little bit there as well. If anyone wondered if it wasn't listening, yeah, a, dog has, a, a dog has effectively just ran out of our building on its own. <laughs> And there's no dogs in our building, so it's like I think somebody's looking after it and out the gate. Like someone's gone out in the car and got out the gate, and the owner or the person's looking after it is just sprinted out after it and down our road trying to find it. At, so at, at this stage, I can only assume that it's Will Smith's German Shepherd from I Am Legend. <laughs> they're they're yeah. the only people roaming right now. So uh, I mean, I don't know what's going on with that, but if, if he comes back with the dark, I will let. Him. <laughs> I'll put a bit of downer on the day. <laughs> but yeah, Man City. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you kit then. Uh, we were saying before we started recording that probably yeah. there you go. Review for it there. I was because when I first saw it, I thought it was the because that year we released that one, didn't we? And we released a Alan Ball retro one. Yeah, with the with the eight on the back and no sponsor and all, all that yeah. sort of stuff, which which tends to go down quite well, doesn't it? I like the little like woven EFC into it, didn't it? And the fellas come back with a dog in case anyone was panicking. He's found it. Panic over. I know. I know. Absolutely. But yeah, he had like the little EFC woven into it, didn't it? Um, the number eight on the back. The collar was very similar. And when you asked me to to dig out a couple of kits that you saw as kind of your favourite ones, I think those sorts of nods towards 
the more historical side of the club and obviously this one for the Allen Ball. Um, we had the one-off kit that um, every time you see a picture of it, Sandro seems to be in it, which was the, <laughs> the Goodison Park kit, um, which, which was a pretty similar sort of no no sponsor, you know, a, a bit of a historical badge um, and, and just a plain number on the back. And I think I think people do buy into to those kits a little bit more so, don't they? And I think the the one thing that has probably hurt the the football shirt industry over the last few years is just sheer regularity of, of different kits. Um, without fail, I'm, I'm pretty sure that every Premier League club and probably every EFL club now has at least three shirts a season coming out. Some form of commemorative, I don't know, Man, Man United tends to bring out like a camouflage shirt. <laughs> Some form of cancer yeah. shirt that they'll bring out to raise money for charity and things. So um, it, it's, it's one of those that you probably look at the older generation and sort of our parents, for example, would have probably, if they were able to afford one, had one shirt and they would cherish it for years because it was a, a token of, of being able to firstly afford a football shirt, but um, not necessarily having that sort of regularity about football merchandise coming out. And yeah. I think most of us now tend to tend to go towards sort of like training shirts. And I mean, Everton like to bring out home shirts that look like training shirts now. It's <laughs> on me, but... Uh, I think we we are kind of spoiled in that in that area of of football attire. Yeah. Do you, do you wear like most of your shirts you've got then? Because I sort of have been, like I think I've worn this one on one of the videos before. I said I was going to try and wear all mine so to dig them out, but there's loads in the drawer there which I thought, God, I've not worn that for 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 a long long time. But I suppose you play footy quite regularly, don't you? And yeah, that's that's probably the only time. Uh, I've I've kind of. It, we will one day do a show on the level of football memorabilia that I've managed to <laughs> acquire over the last 20 years. But I was obviously flicking for a few shirts this morning and trying to lay them all out and, you know, sort of scarves and medals and all manner of things that now <laughs> compromise the, the stability of my loft floor. <laughs> I've kind of split them now into, as you say, I play football quite regularly and that's probably the only time that I wear football shirts. Um, so they kind of stay downstairs and I'll, I'll try and cycle through as many of them as possible just to just to keep people thinking where on earth is he getting these from. <laughs> and, and then the, the other half are, are banished to the attic because I've either disgustingly outgrown them or um, they are signed or there's something about them that I don't want me to ruin them or people to see me in them for so <laughs> the, the one that comes to mind is is not the not the more recent pink fluorescent shirt but we're going back probably about 10 or 15 years now to when we first brought out the the charity related pink shirt yeah, yeah. Was, which was a limited edition one at the time. I've, I've got that upstairs. And the temptation to wear it for this morning's podcast was truly unbearable. Um, but I decided to save everyone that ghastly sight. Well, Dave, um, Dave Darney was saying earlier in the week he wore the Reese Jones Memorial one. And he said it's the, he put it on. It's the first time I've ever worn this. Because like, you got like a lovely presentation box, didn't you, with that one and everything. But I remember wearing mine quite a lot. And like, I think our old dog like pulled the front of it. So it's got like a little like a little knit on the front of it, which is really annoying. So maybe, but, maybe best left in the box. As you say, that was like that was seen as a commemorative edition and you got sort of like the box and everything with it. I've got that upstairs. Um there's something about that shirt and I, I, I do quite like football shirts that don't feel like stereotypical football shirts. And it, mm. it, it might be in terms of material, 
I know you've got one, Matt, which was a black away shirt from a few years ago where the sleeves are just annoyingly a little bit longer than... than Yeah, with the yellow chang on the front, yeah. Um, The only other thing I can think of in terms of texture is um, back in the much forgotten Abel Xavier days, we had that sort of salmon one-to-one shirt. It was almost like a flannel material. It was was so... It's like felt, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, obviously, that we were crying out for a felt sponsor and felt... (laughs) I think someone at what I think was Umbro got that really wrong um but yeah they're, they're the type of shirts that, that I, I like to try and churn out because anything with a bit of a strange color set as well and obviously yeah, we've yeah. had a we've had a couple of salmon and navy kits over the years and um going back to the original one in the early 90s the NEC kit I think that was that was very scarily close to red um yeah. but I think we've, we've kind of sided towards a, a more pink in recent years, yeah. Wonderful stuff. And just in terms of the games we wore this for, uh, we, two came to mind for us immediately. Um, one, both away wins, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, you'd like to think we wouldn't wear it at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, away, uh, again, as as much as I like to I like to get the kits that are a slightly different colour, or um, I would say the other thing is ones that we don't wear very often. Uh, another one that came to mind was the navy kit that was it had a few diamonds down the down the shoulder. Um, when Andy Johnson first came to the club, I remember us wearing that away at Wigan, and and he scored in that game. Um, this particular kit, I remember uh, Victor Anachebe scoring away at West Brom, and the other one was oh Ewell Park um, yeah, away yeah. at Blackburn, where. I don't mean yourself went. I don't think it was a particularly enthralling game that most at Evil Park went, but we somehow managed to get a, a stoppage time penalty at the end. Well, they missed two penalties, didn't they, earlier in the game? That's right, yeah, and we got one and Mikel Arteta scored late on. And I think if you were going to kind of marry up results and kicks, they're exactly the type of games where you can almost hear the hands of the Everton merchandise team being rubbed together. Because they're the type of late results that everyone says it was so iconic. Um, we had that amber kit on at Ewell Park, or we had those hoop socks on at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, everyone's going to buy into this after the game, and I think I, I always remember this from a relatively slow shirt sales period that we had with the the fluorescent pink shirt. And was it Tim Cale who scored at St Andrews away? Yeah. Home? and it was it was the most popular piece of. A tire <laughs> for, for weekends after because we'd finally managed to do something positive in. But I think with football shirts, people obviously like them from a style point of view, but they, they like it to resonate from, from yeah. that emotional side as well. So I think that's probably the day that sticks in mind with this one. Yeah, just a shame watching back the footage of 13 14 season earlier this week and seeing that horrible kit and horrible badge. It's like, no, no one's going to get that regardless. Well, God forbid we we could have gone on to do even greater things in that shirt. And honestly, I think if you offered people the opportunity to persist with that shirt and in particular with that badge, we'd have all done it for one year. <laughs> <laughs> Glory, but um, yeah, it's 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 a strange plethora when you look back at some of the some of the stuff that we've brought out. But I think I think it's hard when, in particular with home shirts, it, it's hard to get that level of variety. Uh, that people crave and, and people have such different opinions on, on what they think it should be. Um, from an away share point of view, I, I always think that Everton should have 
an amber or a yellow away shirt. Uh, and it seems in recent years we've, we've tried desperately hard not to do that. Um, from recent memory, I think there's only this one, and we brought out one that was significantly more yellow. Uh, was it last year where Lukaku scored away at the Etihad? Yeah. Uh, and the, the, the whole kind of blue, amber, white strategy that we've gone for for so many years has, has kind of been cast aside and in favour of the lids with a black shirt. <laughs> Trying to appeal to to every sort of colour set ever. Yeah, we've had two of our contributors have worn that shirt on this feature, so they're probably best not slagging off. But, <laughs> but uh, just before we wrap up, uh, you've been on a couple of shows this week. Um, those um, 11s, on, that was on Wednesday. That was great fun, yeah. Uh, After 45 you... minutes somehow. Yeah, yeah. Uh... The, the, it, there's something about the shows that I've been on in the 11s and obviously Rob Beery's show, The Kickabout, whereby there's a danger for them to go on for days and days <laughs> at a time where the clock is just so irrelevant at the moment. It's it's dangerous when you get a group of Evertonians together because the, the one thing that we do have is time to talk about Everton and, and it, it does feel like that when we reminisce on obviously some of the players and some of the games that we do in the 11 show in particular, we could all talk for, for so long about it. But uh, I think the, the the main goal of that show for anyone who, who hasn't listened to it so far is to mention Lucina Traore as many times as possible. Um, so I think that's something that we that we desperately need to pick up a bit more. <laughs> You'll need in these times, yeah. Um, we're going to get try and get some genes from Lucina signed by... Sorry, some jeans signed by the senior Traore can make the Asher at some point. It is our quarantine goal. I mean, I've seen some ambitious things set out about goals that people want to achieve when they've got a little bit more time on their hands. <laughs> none are as pointless as, as that particular one. But important, but important nonetheless. Oh, uh, <laughs> to get my mug as well, which is a... Uh, uh, oh, a, yeah, toffee art. Toffee art, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, another, another nod to the Everton member be there. Stoppies. There we go. Um, Mark, it's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed that. Thanks for taking your time out the morning. Uh, stay safe in work and have a good Easter weekend. Um, and we'll probably hear from, hear from you on a show soon. You too, mate. Thank you. Ready to get your glitter on? Then head to Worlds of Fun Grand Carnival from July 23rd through August 7th for a larger-than-life shimmering celebration. Join the spectacle of color, a dazzling parade of floats, performers, music, and beads that sweeps across the park. And take your taste buds on a world tour while dancing to music after dark. Save over 45% with a Carnival bundle, which includes admission, parking, and three food tastings. Only at worldsoffun.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.